if you were around, it was about a month ago that we had the opportunity to be here and, and we began sharing a word that we felt like the Lord put in our hearts um, called a fight for, uh, fight for the Finish. How many of you were here Sunday morning? It was like last week of September. And so that was just, it was a word that God put in my heart as Pastor Jerry and Elaine asked me to minister on that morning. And so I got part of the way through that, but I didn't feel like I delivered everything that was in my heart and it just worked out to be able to finish that out today. So we want to hear from the Lord, amen. Just open up your hands to the Holy Spirit. He knows what you need this morning. Aren't you glad? Maybe nobody else knows, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you and I need and He is here to deposit it within us, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts, we open our ears, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that is malleable and that is transformable and that is receptive to the seeds that you want to sow in it to change our future in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I feel like that what the Lord impressed upon my heart was is that uh, many of us are in a season in life, as, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, that there is a, uh, a time and a season for everything under the sun. And he says that there's a, there's a, a time to, to pluck up and there's a time to plant, right? There's a time to live and there's a time to die. And I just kind of want to throw my two cents in there, and I believe that he would, it's in agreement with what he's saying. There's a time to start things in our life, but there's also a time to finish things in our life. And, and many of us are in a, in a place in life where God has begun some things. He started some things. We, we answered his call to, to get involved in a journey, in a believing, in a promise, in a destination. And, and we got started on some things, but we have not yet seen those things finished in our life. And the word that I feel like that God is wanting me to share it's heavy in my life, and that is to finish. And the only way that we finish things that we start is we have to understand that there's a fight between start and finish. We have to fight for the finish because how many of you would agree with me that it's, it's good to get started? But it kind of reminds me of broad is the way, right, that leads to destruction. Many, a lot of people is headed down the Broadway. A lot of people are able to start things in the kingdom. A lot of people are able to get out of the starting blocks, but it's crossing the finish line that we have a hard time with. And the realization or the reward or the inheritance or the life change that, that is only experienced when we get to the finish. How many of you know it's a great idea to plant a seed in the ground? Yeah, but if we don't let that seed come to its fulfillment and produce the fruit that's within it, we never experience the best of what's in the seed. It's great to desire to go somewhere in life and, and plan a, an outing with your family, but, and it's great to fill the car up, and it's, it's good to get started, but if you don't complete the journey, how many of you know you never reap the rewards of when you get there? And the promises of God and the plans of God and the purposes of God in our lives, it, it's good to start after them, but God wants us to be more than starters. He wants us to be finishers. And I'm going to throw a picture up on the screen behind me here. This is, this is a bridge that was built in the 1930s out in the mountains of California, and it was, it was being built to join two cities uh, through a valley. 
And this, this bridge was designed by engineers and someone had the great idea and there was a purpose for it being built so these two, these two uh, locations, these two cities could finally be joined together through the mountains so that people could traverse back and forth and a lot of time and effort and energy, energy was spent and money on, on the design and the planning and the construction. But somewhere between the start and the completion, the, the uh, construction was stopped. And it was stopped. There was a flood and there were some different things, some obstacles. Anybody know anything about obstacles in your own life? Obstacles were presented that were not prepared for, and those obstacles that came prevented the bridge from being completed. And that bridge is now recognized, and it's visited, and it's a tourist attraction. It was never intended to be a tourist attraction because it never completed the journey from point A to point B. It's called the bridge to nowhere. The bridge to nowhere. And my question this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit is prompting in our hearts, is how many bridges to nowhere do we have yet in our lives? Where we got started on some things. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a desire. Maybe it was that child that you were believing for, or that job, or that relationship, or those finances, or that breakthrough. Or maybe it's destination. What is the destination? You ever been on a plane and they say, buckle your seatbelts? You know, DF Dallas is our destination or Orlando. What is the destination? Destination joy, destination peace, destination breakthrough, destination hope. What is it in your life that you began to go after that somehow along the way, for whatever reason, you, ha- you didn't complete the journey and you're not there yet? God wants you to know it's time to get up. And continue to move ahead because there is a finish line that he wants us to cross. He wants us to fight for the finish in our lives. Because it's only in getting there that we will reap the rewards that God has for us. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that he has great things prepared for you? God has done what God can do. He expects us to pick up what we can can do and run the race. How many of you know that destiny in our lives and purpose in our lives, sometimes those things, maybe you don't struggle with that, but it's kind of like, it's kind of elusive. It's kind of so big, and it's like, what what is that about for me in my life? What destiny is about is today. Everybody say today. It's the choices I make today. Stacked on the choices that I make tomorrow. The faith that I have today. Uh, stacked on the faith that I have tomorrow. God said it's, it's line upon line. It's precept upon precept. We build our destiny every day. Do you know that today in your life is just as important as, it, as the day 10 years from now? But somehow we, we, we kind of look at the end game and we kind of look at the finish line and we think that's what it's about. But it's about today. It's about the journey. It's, it's kind of like it's, it's, it's a relay race. You ever watched a relay race or ran in a relay race? There's more than one lap. And, and we take that baton and we run that lap. And then it's, uh, life is about uh, finishing one race after the next and allowing God to build it into his purpose and plan for our life. And let me just say this. Many times what the enemy wants to do is he wants to convince us that it really doesn't matter if we finish this leg of the journey. But our choices and our decisions that are before us have consequence. Everybody say consequence. It matters. It doesn't matter who you are in this room. 
The devil would like to sell each one of us a bill of goods that says that our life just isn't as important as so-and-so's or that the choices I make just don't have as much impact as someone else's. And he gets us to comparing ourselves and we think that, that, uh, that our life doesn't matter. Every person who God created and breathed his breath of life into and placed on this planet is of equal importance to God, is of equal importance to what God wants to carry out in this earth. And the decisions that you and I make in the midst of our life have consequences. We associate the word consequence with negativity, but consequence is a neutral word. There's positive consequences and there can be negative consequences. But it matters whether or not you and I finish the things in our life that God has put before us. There are things in your life, in your lineage, in your arena, in in, in your network of people that only you have the ability to influence and change and impact and build for the, the kingdom of God. Do you realize that? Pastor Jerry can't run your race. You can't run my race. And if the enemy can convince us through warfare and through obstacles and through hopelessness and through despair and through discouragement to give up on what God's put before us, then he wins. And there is consequence to that in our lives. It matters. It matters if we finish. How many of you know it matters to your spouse if you finish? It matters if you overcome that thing, men, in in your life. It matters, women, to your children whether or not you win that battle in your life. It matters. Our lives and our choices have a ripple effect. And we don't live our lives in isolation, do we? But that's a great and an exciting thing because God's put power in us and the ability to be transformative in our, in, in our network and in our family and in our life and in this church. It matters. Your place in this church matters. Who God has called you to be and what he's called you to do in life matters to the people that are in this room. Every one of us have things that God wants to complete in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. We have just a few minutes, and that's my, that's my heart. I just want to give you quickly this morning, if you have your notes, I want us to refer to seven keys or seven, seven principles that, that we need to get a hold of if we're going to see God take us from where we are to where it is that he wants us to be. And if you and I had an opportunity this morning to just sit down and to talk, and we could talk about things that are in our lives How many of you would agree with me that there are things in your life that you know that have been started, but they have not yet been finished, and you want to see them finished? Let me see your hand. And the encouragement this morning is this. It doesn't matter why we laid it down or why we gave up on the race, you know, or how long it's been. The Lord wants to encourage us this morning that we can finish what he's put before us. And it matters if we finish. And you say, well, that's really not a big thing. Well, the little things matter in life. The little things matter in life. It may not be a big, big thing to you or I, but it might become a big, big thing to our children. It matters if we win. And I want to reflect just a little bit on two very common stories from the Old Testament to draw these principles from. They're stories that I think most all of us are familiar with, but that would be Joshua, who God called to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And the first, um, the first obstacle that they faced was the city of Jericho. And, and they were called by God to see those walls come down around Jericho. 
so that they could walk into the inheritance. How many of you know that those walls represent things in our lives? They represent things in our relationships. They represent things in our heart, things in our life that life and the enemy has built up that God wants to bring down bondages and brokenness and hurt and hopelessness and despair and things in our life that only God can bring down. And, and then there was Nehemiah who, who was a cupbearer to the king in Babylon as the children of Israel had, had been um, exiled and taken out of their home country and spent hundreds of years in, in Babylon. And there was a remnant of God's people that was still in Israel. And, and uh, Nehemiah heard word of how bad things were back home for them and how that they were dwelling in Jerusalem and the wall had been torn down and that they had no help and they had no hope and God began to move on him to go back there and begin to raise the walls. How many of you know there's some things in our lives that God wants to raise up and to rebuild and to restore and he wants, he wants to make provision and he wants to make protection and maybe something that had never been in your family before. He's called you to be the one to establish it and to raise it up. Isn't it amazing what God can do in one life for the genealogy to follow? The generations to follow can not have to know any of what I knew in my past if I bring it through the cross and I give it all to God. God wants us to build some things up and he wants us to bring some things down. And he not only wants us to start doing it as as Joshua did, he was called to run around the, the city seven times and not just go around it two or three and say, God, I just don't see this working. And then we get distracted and we go and do other things. But God wants to complete some things in our lives. He wants to stir us up to pick up some things that we feel like that, that, that we have laid down and it's time to do it. So this morning, I just want to quickly refer to these two stories and I want to give you seven principles to work out of that, that I, I see in these stories that God wants to help us with. How many of you know that Jesus is our example and that Jesus was a finisher? I mean, the very last thing that he said in his physical body before he went into the tomb was what? It is finished. It is finished. He knew that he was here to finish the works that the, the Father had given him to finish. We don't exist for ourselves. Everybody say, I'm not my own. That don't feel very good, does it? I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. My life belongs to God. My, I, and he has things for me to do. He has places he wants us to go. He has things he wants us to build. He has things he wants us to tear down. He wants to use us as instruments in his hand. He wants us to be vessels uh, in, the, in the potter's hand. And we have to surrender to him to do it so that we can say, this is finished and this is finished. And God, what else do you have me to do? I'll take that and I'll run with that. And no, it's not easy. And no, it's not, any, no one else is called to do it, but that's mine. I'll run that race and I'll see it complete for the glory. Glory of God. Real quickly, I just want us to take a look at a, a Nehemiah. Note the first point in your notes, if you have them there, you can follow along. Number one, if we're going to be finishers, finishers fight for his face. Finishers fight for his face. In Nehemiah 1 4, the scripture says, As soon, this was Nehemiah talking, as soon as I heard these words, he was hearing about how bad things were back in Israel, at Jerusalem. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And if you read about Joshua or you read through the book of Nehemiah, what you see over and over again is at the core of their life, at the core of their race, what was at the core was their relationship with God. 
So many times we're so busy that we don't have time for the secret place. But we have to fight for his face. We have to, as Nehemiah did, he fasted and he prayed. What was that? Was it religious duty for him? No, it was like, if I don't have God, I don't have anything. So many times we're pursuing the dream instead of the dream giver. So many times we're pursuing the blessing at the expense of knowing the blessing maker. It's not about that. And we, we get the cart before the horse. And the thing we have to remember that the infrastructure of our life on which everything else hangs is the relationship that we have with our, our Father in heaven. We have to fight for his face. Whatever it takes, whatever that means, whatever else has got to go in our life, whatever ever relationship we have to lay down, whatever job we have to change, what, whatever we have to do, we have to understand if we're going to be successful, it has to be a real and a living and an authentic daily walk with God. And it's not religious duty, it's life. In the book of Acts, Scripture tells us that it's in Him that we live. And it's in him that we're able to move. And it's in him that we have our very being. If we got a hold of that, we would understand that all of our flailing and all of our worry and all of our work and all of that that's in our own strength and our own way, it profits us nothing. He said, which of you by worrying and being anxious can add one cubic to your stature? Instead of worrying about anything, pray about everything. What is he saying? He's calling us to himself. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He's like, I have everything you need. Another version, uh, the Passion Translation of Acts uh, says this. It's through him that we live and we function and we have our identity. It's through him that we live and we function and we have our identity. It's in his presence that we gain everything we need. All these other things I'm just going to quickly throw out all flow out of our relationship with God. We can't have the other things if we don't have that communion with God, that relationship with God. And I had some, I have wonderful in-laws and I had wonderful parents and they've been in the church all their lives ministering. But how many of you know that does not translate into my personal life? I have to find God for myself. I have to pay the price. I heard it said that um, it's the things that no one sees that, get, that yield the results that everyone wants. It's the things that no one sees. That's the secret place. You can look at someone else's life or you look at the breakthrough or you look at their family and you think, man, I wish, you know, I wish it was like that. But see, it's the things that no one sees. It's being alone with God. It's seeking His face. It's believing Him. It's spending time with Him that yields the results that we desire in our life. We can't pass over it. Church is great, and it's a, it's, but it's the starting blocks. How many of you know that? Church is a starting block, so we have to have a personal walk with Him. That's as long as I can go on that. Number two, not only fight for His face. Number two, finishers fight with His favor. The Scripture says that... that uh, the king asked Nehemiah, he said, why is your face so sad? What's going on? Nehemiah said, told him what the situation was. And this is, this is what the king said. He said to him, he's like, I want you to go and do it. This was a foreign king. And he said, he said, what do you need to get it done? 
And Nehemiah in that moment said, these are all the things that, that I need. And the king said, it's done. And he granted his request. How many of you know that if we're going to finish whatever that is in your life, if you're believing for a child, if you're, if you're believing for a promise, that along this journey, there's going to be certain things that we, we don't even know we need to do. But God knows that we need them and that his hand of favor is on our life. Put your hand on your chest and say this. Say, God likes me. Some of you do not believe that. You believe he loves you because he has to, right? God loves everybody. But it was, it was a defining moment for me when I understood and realized that God liked me. You may not like me, but God likes me. What does that mean? He's planning ahead. He's got provision. See, the, I love that scripture. It says that my God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above what? All what? That I can ask or think. So you, along the way, we have to know that the favor of God, that the good hand of God is going to be on our life, exceeding our expectations, exceeding our requests, exceeding even our faith. I don't even think in that moment that Nehemiah had time to, to, you know, to make out his prayer list and all that. It, it was just like God said, okay, Nehemiah, here's what you need. You don't even know it. Here it is, and I open all the doors for you. Finishers fight with the favor of God. Number three, we've got to move quickly. Finishers fight in his footsteps. I love when Nehemiah got to Jerusalem. It says in uh, verse 12 of chapter 2, Nehemiah says, Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put, I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. How many of you know that God has a plan to get us there? God has a plan. Before we even knew what the situation was, God has a plan to get us there. He put his plan in Nehemiah's heart. And let me go back to this. His favor flows out of his presence. His footsteps or his plan for our situation flows out of his presence. And as Nehemiah spent time alone with God, God began to say, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. This is where you're going to go. And I'm sure he didn't get all the picture at once, but he got a step. He got a step. And so many times we think the step is not enough. We want the whole picture. How many of you know we have to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? We want the whole ball of wax, as they said. And the way the Holy Spirit works is He nudges our heart. He drops something in our spirit. And then many times we brush it aside because we think, oh, that's not big enough, or that's not really going to be an impact. That's really not going to make a difference. How many of you know outcome is God's responsibility? Obedience is our responsibility. I don't know what it's going to do. I just know that I can trust him. If he says this is the step, it may make no sense to my carnal mind, but I have to come to the place where I know in whom I believe. Not just what I believe, but in whom I have. The scripture says, I know the one in whom I have believed. Therefore, I am persuaded that he is able. I'm persuaded that he's able, not based on what he's saying, but who he is. And if he's saying it and I will follow it, it will bring me to my finish for the glory of God. 
Everybody around us may not think it's the right way. Our heart may not think it, I mean, the way we feel, our feelings and our carnal mind may not think it's the right way. But how many know if we'll start being sensitive? Let me just, let me just stay here for just a second. I feel like that there are some small things in our lives that we have disregarded as not being enough. And God says, we're looking for him to say something else, but he wants us to go back to that thing. He wants us to go back to that thing. And if we will do it, repent and go back and say, God, I'm sorry, I didn't value that. I didn't value your voice. It's important that we value his voice. We obey and leave the outcome up to God. We obey and we leave the outcome up to God. So finishers follow in his footsteps. Number four, finishers fight through their failure. Finishers fight through their failure. If you're living and breathing, which I hope that you are, If you're living and breathing, then it's not a matter of if you're going to fail. It's a matter of when and how big and how many times. We could all sit down and tell stories of how we've messed things up, can't we? And and it's no new lie because it started in the beginning in the garden, right? (laughs) But when we fail, the enemy is so crafty and he's so good at getting us to get stuck on our failure. And even if we think we're trying to move on, we're still listening to his voice in our heart and the shame that's associated with it and the guilt that comes with it and the doubt that underpins that voice in our life keeps us from being able to move on from where we are. How many of you know that we serve a redemptive God? There is no failure too small or too big or too repetitive that our God is not able to redeem. How he can take my, my messes and my mistakes, even when I know better. Everybody, anybody ever knew better and messed it up anyway? Let me see your hand. Confession is good for the soul. You know you need to lift all your hands and legs. But the thing you need to know that no matter where you're at on your journey, some of you, some of us in this room are stuck at the point of our failure. And we think that we can't complete that thing in our life because we messed it up. But the blood takes care of it. It cleans it up. It cleans it up. And you've got to hear what God has to say. I redeem your life from destruction. He is the redemptive God. It doesn't matter what we've done or how many times we've done it. His grace is sufficient for me. The scripture says, though a righteous man falls seven times. What kind of man? Oh, I didn't think righteous people fell. Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will arise. Just lift up your hand. I believe that God wants to impart something right here. God, that there would be a a arising. Lord, David wrote that you reach down into the pit and you redeem that moment. You lifted him out and you set his feet on a rock and established his going forth to the finish line. For the glory of God. You're the Redeemer in Jesus' name. I love that scripture in Micah that says, Rejoice not over me, my enemy, for when I fall, I will arise. I will arise. Three minute, three minutes for three points. Think I can do it? Finishers fight back their foes. Finishers fight back their foes. Fight is part of the finish. 
And our battle is not against flesh and blood. As much as the enemy convinces us that it's the people, our fight is with the forces of darkness. And when, when Nehemiah and his, and his fellow men and women began to build what God had called them to build, how many know there was opposition? And when Joshua and his army went to see the walls come down, there was opposition. I think the interesting thing to me is we really don't see in the seven days that they were marching around Jericho any external opposition. Sometimes it's not external opposition, it's internal opposition. And internal opposition is major opposition. You can't minimize it. Fear and anxiety. God, did you really tell me to do this? Doubt and unbelief. And how is this going to happen? God, how are you going to work? Internal opposition, or maybe it's external. Maybe the enemy's using people around you to speak words of death and discouragement over your life. But whatever the opposition, the thing that we have to know is that we can overcome through the power of Jesus. And there's no obstacle that we can't get through if we're willing to fight for the glory of God. Number six, finishers fight with their faith. Finishers fight with their faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All of these flow out of our place with God. All of them flow out of our place with God. We only have faith if we're spending time with the master. We only have faith if we've got a word from him. We only have faith to overcome when we're walking hand in hand with him. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. How many of you know we need his word? We need his presence. And when we have that, we'll have all the faith that we need. But we're only going to win by faith. We can speak to those mountains in our life and we can say, be removed and cast into the sea. Our faith can make us whole. Our faith can bring us into our destiny and our promise. Our faith can overcome every power of the enemy. He's given us everything that we need to overcome. Finishers fight with their faith. And let me just say this. Sometimes we feel like that we don't got that. <laughs> we need to connect with somebody that's a man of faith or a woman of faith. Listen, everybody struggles with their faith. If anybody tells you that they're a man of faith and power and they never doubt or have to fight thoughts or whatever, now we grow from faith to faith. Our faith does get stronger. But I mentioned this last time. I thought it was so curious when I went back and read the story of Joshua and how God gave Joshua footsteps to follow to see the walls come down. He gave Joshua the plan. And he also gave Nehemiah the plan. And he said he hadn't told anybody what God put in his heart, right? But with Joshua, he didn't go to the army and say, okay, this is what God said. Once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times. Then we're going to put the ark and we're going to blast the trumpets. And we're going to shout and then the walls are going to fall down. Now, I don't know. I'm kind of... I'm kind of projecting my thoughts on this, but I'm just thinking that if Joshua was a man like me, <laughs> he's probably thinking, I hope this is going to work, right? I, God, I, I believe that you're saying this to me. Does anybody know what this feels like? I believe you're speaking this to me, God. And, and as Thomas, I, Thomas said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief right? And maybe he didn't go out and flap his gums because he was just like, I hope this happens at the end of the day. And every day he was standing and he was believing in God. I know what you said. And it's shaky faith. Does anybody know what shaky faith looks like? It means that, that I may not be on top of it every minute of every day, but I'm getting up and, and I'm believing God and I'm fighting to believe God and I'm fighting to have faith and I'm fighting to, to stand on his word. 
But listen, faith is something we fight for. Fight the good fight of faith. God wants us to bring, to bring us to our fulfillment and we'll do it with faith. And then lastly, number seven. Wow, that was a lot of stuff I didn't talk about. Finishers fight until they're finished. Finishers fight until. Everybody say until. So if you're not finished, you're until. This is your day of moving from until until you're finished. Philippians 1.6, Paul said, and I am certain that God who began Everybody say, God who started. He's the starter. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Start and finish are the bookends of our faith to see God's plan and promises to come to pass in our life. He says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within me will continue his work until it is finally finished. On the day when Jesus returns. How many are looking for the day that Jesus shows up in your situation? He's going to show up. That finish line for the glory of God. Could you stand to your feet? I want to pray over you before I turn it back. God says to us today, bow your heads, open your hands. What he's saying to you today is there's coming a, there's coming a stirring in your heart. That you will begin to speak to those dry bones. And command them to live. Promises that have been given up on. Dreams that have been laid aside. Relationships that just didn't seem like it was going to happen. Breakthroughs that you believe God for. They always say, how long is it going to be? I don't remember. If you were, I remember being in the back of the car when we were going on a trip. And I'd say, are we there yet? If you're not there yet in some area of your life, join the club. But we are encouraged today that we're going to get there. That God started us on this path. He gave us his promise. He gave us his word. And that we're going to get to the finish line for the glory of God. Every man and woman, boy and girl in this room, Father, we thank you that you see them. You know them by name. Every hair on their head is numbered. You like them. You love them. You planned it all out from the beginning. You're the creator. You're the originator of their life. Oh, God, you're the redeemer of all of our lives, God. God, you, are, you have forgiven us, God, and you've redeemed us, God, and you've called us by name. God, we thank you that we belong to you, God. We thank you that you washed away all of our sins. We thank you, God, that you set our feet upon a rock and established our going. God, we thank you that you give us purpose and you've given us destiny. And God, that you have put finish in front of us. And we're not giving up. We're not going to grow weary in well-doing for in due season. We're going to finish if we don't faint. We're not going to faint, God. We're not going to give up, God. We're not going to stay stuck, God. We're going to move. We're going to move. We're going to move, God, into your promises and into your plans for our life we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a round of applause. Let him know how much you love him.